wanted to uh, talk about a verse in Second Timothy today. Second Timothy, I've just been there, as you know. Yeah, but not quite as far as you've been. You've been in the end of chapter two. I'm at the end of chapter one here. This is not a foreign verse to you. This is a commonly referenced verse. No, but I've verse. been in the, are you okay. Uh, verse thirteen: Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. There's a lot there, isn't there? Yeah. There's so much in that that verse. I, you can take up about four or five very powerful thoughts out of that verse. So the the main one, of course, that you're that you're after is probably the form of sound. The words. form of sound words. Yeah. yeah. So this is a a thing that you've talked about often. Yeah. Yeah. I make an emphasis of that. And the angle that I would like to approach it from is, I guess, a basic description or maybe not definition, but if you were to describe what is the form of sound words, like. Yeah. Draw a picture of it. What I, I mean, I know it's an outline, it's a framework, it's a, a thing you can hang stuff from. So I can I get the metaphors. But like right. what is that form in the scriptures? What is what what is it comprised of? Well the I mean, of course, you're sort of saying this. You're sort of asking, present briefly the form of sound words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of saying is that. that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um in more words. Well, the words are really important. You know, the, the fact that it says form of sound words. Sound means solid. We usually focus on uh, the, the word form here. Mm-hmm. That's the hupatoposis, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing that lies under, and it's the hupatoposis, but uh, hupotoposis, mm-hmm. the underlying types or the outlying types. The underlying types of sound words. Yeah. Like that. The word type is in there, and the word type. As, and the ty- and types have their fingerprints all over the scriptures. Right. So, for example, I'm in a Twitter war with a Jew, and I tell him, well, I don't know how you know you're a Jew. I don't really think you are a Jew. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? If you don't, you're not really a Jew. A lot of Christians treat these guys like they're Jews in the future, but they're not Jews in the future. They're Jews in, in the present if they're Jews at all. Meaning there's a veil on their heart. They're not the, the Israel of God. No, no, no. I'm, I want to talk to the Israel of God. That's all I want to talk to. Those are the guys. I'll leave them alone. I want to talk to the Israel of God, see if they'll believe in Jesus Christ. If they're not, I move on. So I'm about ready to move on from this guy. I've told him, you know, you're you're not a real Jew anyway. And uh, I'm sure he loves that. Well, you can't help. But so so he raises uh, of all things the prophecies of Zechariah, and one of the visions of Zechariah. One of the figures is talking about the wounds in his hands that he received in the house of his friends, mm. and they don't want that to be Jesus. And I, okay, maybe it isn't, maybe it isn't. But then they talk about they look upon me whom they pierced. They don't want that to be Jesus, but that is Jesus. And they say, well, that wasn't fulfilled at the crucifixion. One rabbi, I actually watched the video this guy gave me. One rabbi said, well, that ninety-nine percent of Christians believe that this was fulfilled at uh, crucifixion. And so I just answered the guy and said, you know, I actually wasted nine minutes of my life that I won't get back. Number one, why would you listen to a rabbi about what Christians believe? And that's just nuts. Yeah, wrong. Of course, he's going to build a straw man and push it over. I said, for anybody to look upon somebody that they've pierced, they've had to already have pierced him. It doesn't say they look upon him, they pierce him, and then they look at that. Or right. that they come up, pierce him, and then look at it. 
They'd already pierced him. He's already pierced. They've already pierced him when he shows up. He had to have been already pierced. So it's not the cross. He was pierced at the cross. Right. Wasn't fulfilled then. He was just disfigured by them through Roman hands in such a way that it'll be recognizable at his return. He'll still have right. Then they'll look the upon wound in his side. They have pierced. They'll look upon me, whom they have pierced. Right. What, they wonder why the Holy Spirit changes the scriptures from me to him in John's gospel, but for obvious reasons. We now know who me is. Mm-hmm. It's him. Right. And uh, so that's a type. Is that what you're saying? There you go. Well, a there's prophecy? a picture. Yeah. There's a picture. No, but I begin. No, I began. Okay, I started it with Zechariah, but I go with a guy like you know. How, how do you miss Joseph as a type? You know, his brethren throw him in a pit and take him out and right. sell him to the Ishmaelites. For, the Ishmaelites sell him for thirty pieces of silver. I mean, how do you miss this? Is such a picture of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like Joseph is such a picture. Right. They miss that. How do they miss Isaac? Such a picture. Abraham takes Isaac up to offer his only begotten son, and a substitute is, is provided, a ram, a substitute for him. All these pictures of Jesus. So, so the, the form, like back to your, the form of sound words is an encompassing understanding of, for example, types in the scripture that picture Jesus and divisions of scripture that allow you to see what Jesus did in his first coming and what he does in his second coming, how the suffering precedes glory. These are the things that are imparted to a, a, a believer that's getting ready to teach the Bible or trying right. to teach These the are Bible. Things that Paul has taught Timothy. This right. is the stuff Paul taught Timothy. Which is why he's telling them. But look how Paul taught Timothy. It goes on in the verse. Right. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2. The things that thou hast heard of me. No, no, what? no. In the, in the verse. Oh, right there. At the, at the end of the verse about form of sound words. It says what? Which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Which thou hast heard of me in faith and love. There's a delivery importance of the delivery of the form. You see that? Right, Paul gave Timothy the form. Let's look at. Let's talk about instead of form, instead of words in the form, let's look at the delivery method and make sure that's there, right? You mean delivered in faith and love, you mean? Delivered in faith and love by one brother to another brother. Paul delivered the one form on of sound words to Timothy in faith and love. Directly. Directly. Person to person. Mm-hmm. In a relationship marked by what? Marked by faith Made and love. love. That means that means there's uh, when we say love, you know that. What is that? That's not talk, mere talk. Right. There's a relationship of agape, phila, adelphos. There's brotherly love here. There's fatherly love here. There's the older man to the younger man. Which is which determines the direction that this is flowing, right? Mm-hmm. That the form is coming to Timothy from Paul in right. a, an environment or a relationship marked by faith. There's no question about either one of them 
holding the, the faith that the sound words in the form represent, you know, hold or right. are, there's brooking no doubt in there, but there's a love relationship also. I think Paul calls Timothy his son in one place. He does. Isn't that the best love there is in the world, Father, Son? Well, it's the one that God chose to show and be. Right. So I think in that verse, that, that when I say there was four things or, you know, big things in that verse, you know, faith and love are two of them, the form and the sound words are the other two. Well, you also have a holding on to. I mean, the oh, actual, hold fast. The actual exhortation is to hold on to it. You're exactly right, and and thanks for, for, for pointing that out because— it's already been done. The work has already been. This yeah, is already second Timothy. It. It's been transferred. He's got it. You know. Yeah, he's got it. Hold it fast. What's that mean? That means you can. Not, that means you can lose it. What she says uh, in the next verse: that good thing which was committed unto you, keep. Now I that now that good thing that was committed unto him, I think, is a grace gift. Do you think this is an actual, uh, a charismatic thing? No, I what, don't think it's charismatic. What do you mean, grace gift then? That's a grace gift. I've never heard that before. What's a grace gift? Yeah, I know, because the grace gift, of course, all gifts are grace. Um, <laughs> well, do you think this is like with the laying yeah, on thing, of hands of the elders? The thing that was, yeah, I do. Okay. I do think he received it by the laying he does on of hands. say that somewhere, the good where thing he tells them to stir up the gift of God. Yeah. Uh, earlier on, verse 6, that, uh, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, right. which is in you, by the putting on of my hands. There you go. Putting on of Paul's hands. Yeah, it doesn't even say the elders. It says That's my the apostolic hands. gift. So you think this good thing, and you don't think the good thing is the form of sound words? No, yes it is. Oh, it is. Okay. I felt like you were distinguishing there. I think it was the... Underneath the form of sound words, the ability of Timothy to get it. I think that that the gift that was given to him was the ability to get it from Paul. Okay. And I think Paul was very much involved in it. Like, it wasn't some thing that didn't pass through Paul. And when I say didn't pass through him, I mean, you got your aunt, right? Your aunt stacks up stuff and then brings it out and eats it. But you got your bee who processes ingests, yeah. And the honey that he makes has been processed through him. And so I think this gift went through Paul. What's that look like? That looks like, like a he, very close relationship between Paul and Timothy. Is what it looks like. Paul lived it. It looks like Paul lived it out until this, this is, is the end here. This is the end here, yeah. Yeah. It's not the end of the of the letter, but it's the last letter. He's building up to the end. This is the end for Paul. Yeah. And he's writing to a more mature Timothy. And he's giving him, like, only the most important things. And he's zooming in on this thing that has been given to him through the Apostle Paul by, by the laying on of hands, that the association of Paul, the approval of Paul, the laying of hands. Yeah. And what he's telling him is, you know, hold on to it. Take good care of it. Don't let it slip. Exactly. So... To go back to the form and to, to ask it again, if you were to present the form of sound words, you would say these are the types and the relationships. They're the, they're the types and divisions of, of Scripture. The, the, understanding uh, how the Scriptures fit together? Understanding how Scriptures fit together. Uh, you know, you should answer it better. Than, you would be able to answer it as well as I could because you've received a form, haven't you? Yeah. Well, what have you received? 
the types. This is better. This is better than your question. (laughs) My question to you is better than yours to me. Well, it's hard to put into words, which is one of the reasons why I thought I'd ask you to put it into words. Because it's really kind of an understanding of where things got you on that one. Yeah. It's the ability to know where things fit together and how they fit together. You know, that's why I think the the outline makes sense as a, a way of thinking about it, because you come to a particular verse, topic, chapter, and you've now have the ability to plug it in contextually. When you read the scriptures now, yeah. do you expect to be able to put them in the right place when you read them? Yeah. You expect that that's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen here or there, then you start to. Then you go to work on that, yeah, right? Yeah, you chew on it, yeah. Until it does. Right. Now, where do you do that work in the Bible? Are you, are you, do you only do that in New Testament letters? No. Can you do that? Well, wherever you are, that's wherever where you, you are. do that work, right? Because outside of that, it doesn't make any sense. Now, how normal do you think that is? The normal Christian life. It's the happy one. It's the enjoyable one. Yeah. It's really how to enjoy the Bible, I guess, which is what, what we're, we're trying to talk about, enjoyment of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't have the form of sound words imparted to you, find somebody who will impart it to you. Right? How do you do that? God arranges, doesn't he? How hard did you work at it? Well, I got lucky. <laughs> Everybody gets lucky. I mean, okay, yeah, you got super lucky. You know, you got your wife, and she married down. I don't know. I think a few a few grades down. I think. Oh, yeah, she married down. A few, I think she probably felt sorry for you. You can get a girl to feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. That's one so, way to get a girl. And you're good at it. I think you're real good. <laughs> I got I got a lot to work with. Like you went so like you shot so high, you know, over your pay grade. <laughs> yeah, you're like way over your pay grade. Yeah. Let's not rub it in. No, I won't. I mean, I'll talk to her about it because you won't really get how far it is. Right. Sometimes you can't even see that high up. You know? Yeah. You said it down low. So, okay, so you asked the Lord. Sure. It, no, who, who would who would he refuse? Who's my Paul? You know, lead me to a Paul. Yeah, okay. They're few and far between, aren't they? And look look what look look what who Paul is at this time. You think you'll find him. Look where Paul is, right? He's in jail, right? Yeah, he's in prison and he's about not to die. Since the dead, and he's been abandoned by all of his friends. Abandoned by everything. He just he's everybody abandoned him except Luke. Only Luke is with him, right? So, yeah, it's, it's like a he's terrible. Like some people, maybe he sent them away, but most of them abandoned him. He was abandoned alone. He was all alone. You know that. I think the worst aspect of life is. Loneliness. I think it's like maybe the worst. I was thinking this week, and I've said it a couple of times. I don't mind putting it on on uh, audio record, recording here for other other people to hear. My son Jeff came to my bedside every morning mm-hmm. at seven o'clock. If it got to be five after seven, I went bonkers. Where you been? Oh, I was on the hall. Took a call. Whatever he was doing. Every single day for a year, you know, almost a year. Because loneliness is a terrible, terrible thing. And Paul was laying it out here that he's alone. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't say that to everybody. Well, he kind of did by the, by the well, he ended reporting up, yeah. the scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Reading somebody else's mail here. Well, we're reading our own mail, but... 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean that's my. You're helping me make my point there. But the relationship—that's what I wanted. To, that's what I wanted to say about. You know, the whole the whole letter contextualizes Paul's relationship with Timothy. I mean, think about it, you know Timothy's young, mm-hmm. and Paul's old. Right. Grandpa age here. Grandpa difference. Mm-hmm. That's pretty rare. That's pretty hard to have uh, that kind of relationship with somebody that many years younger. Really is, especially somebody that he didn't meet all that long ago. It didn't seem like he knew. It didn't seem like. He, like I mean, a, 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 the, the, his history, uh, Timothy's history through his his grandmother and mother, read like a distant uh, story. Mm-hmm. Not I was there for it. He wasn't there for it. Paul learned of what Eunice and Lois did. He didn't live it, and uh, clearly that background of Timothy didn't include Paul as he distinguishes it out. I mean, I'm not quoting the scriptures here, but I know what they say. And uh, they do kind of point out that there's an entry of Paul in Timothy's life. It's a father-like entry. Uh, he had grew up under the tutelage of his mother and grandmother when it came to the faith. Um, his mother could be a Jewess, possibly is. Doesn't matter. Could have been a pro- I mean, was at least proselyte. Goes back to grandma, so... Pretty deep. Well, it seems like they met in Acts 16. Doesn't seem like yes. It that's does. when they definitely started a journey together. But it almost seems like that was their introduction. It it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a pre a relationship relationship there. Exactly that. right. <clears throat> exactly right. So this thing has developed in in the youth, you know, in the adulthood, but youthful adulthood of Timothy. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, college student, right? Right. I mean, it could be the it could be the course of ten or fifteen years, maybe, right? Acts sixteen to the end of Paul's life, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So, what do we put Timothy eighteen to twenty eight? That twenty yeah. to thirty. Thirty at the high end, I would say. Thirty at the high end, twenty at the, toward the low end. But uh, but obviously, by the tenor of the letter, they both loomed large in each other's life. Right? Oh, for sure. I mean, Paul decided he's going to write to anybody else. Right. And who did he have to write to? He had Timothy to write to. Well, you know, he says, all have left me. When it comes to who's he going to, you know, yeah. who are you going to call? Timothy's the, the one. Timothy's the one. Yeah. So he's the object of affection, his writing, his legacy, and he's, you know, telling Timothy right up front, look, dude, you, you got something here. Don't, don't let it slip. Some Others have, so... Moving in the end of the world of conjecture, do you think Timothy held on to it? Uh, history suggests that he was faithful. History suggests that he was faithful. Yeah. But I mean, you know, history suggests that there was, you know, churches for Demas too, so I don't know. There's good Protestant uh, kind of, uh, well, well, called red line, historical line yeah. evidence for, for Timothy, you know, without the... Uh, without any uh, politics taking over and the big metropolitan churches taking over and forming into the Roman Catholic Church, it didn't take long in the ancient world for the metropolitans for the for the metropolitan churches to take undue influence over the other churches. During Paul's ministry, the churches were seemed to be relatively equals. He talks about the churches in Galatia. There's various mm-hmm. times he talks about the churches. None are the big church, little church, major church, minor church, head church, 
branch church. None of that was going on during Paul's ministry, and none of it was supposed to go on ever. But by the second century, the elders that were in major cities like Rome, for example, or Athens, I'm sure Tarsus, I'm sure many other places, Corinth, the elders that were elders in those bigger cities began to flex and exert regional control uh. over other churches. Or they would start, who knows, they probably fired up branches all over. They probably fired up a branch right next to that church, to another church. Mm-hmm. Right that siphoned off, you know, 15% of their members. And, and then another you know, 20% came from the existing congregation at the Metropolitan. Next thing you know, you got the first Metropolitan Church of Corinth, the second Metropolitan Church of Corinth. Metropolitan Flat Church, Metropolitan Hill Church. <laughs> Pretty soon you got the Metropolitan Church branches all over the place. Next thing was folded into denominational structure. But at this time, the churches were co-equals, uh, trying to learn to have fellowship with each other. And the history approves of uh, the churches that Timothy, in which Timothy was an elder and a pastor, gotcha. teaching shepherd. Here's why. Here's why I like to preceding, think. predating all that uh, takeover stuff. Yeah, here's why I like to think Timothy made it because, like you said, he was Paul's choice here to write to, right? That's right. And the the verse that I started to read <clears throat> when I went jumped down too far, another one that we talk about sometimes, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others able also. To teach others also. Paul judged Timothy as a faithful one. Clearly. Right? Clearly. Yep. And I just like to think that Paul's probably right, you know, like he got this one right. Yeah, of course he got this one right because it's preserved in scriptures and we can read it, so he did get it right. Yeah, so and Timothy com- had to do what he told him to do there, you know. He's yeah, the without this epistle, we don't have 14 of them. So, yeah, no, there's no doubt that Timothy, I mean, I thought you were asking down the road where we don't know anything, did Timothy, you know, then lose it? Well, I'm I'm just meaning, yeah, I mean, just to the end of Timothy's life, I guess. You're saying, did he fall off at the end or something? Yeah, maybe. History says no. Right. All right, one last question, which is somewhat History's off, not worth much. Somewhat off topic, but it's not off topic. It's on topic. But I just thought of it. I've thought of this before. And it's kind of conjecture. So we talk about Timothy and Paul meeting Acts 16. Of course, Paul comes on the scene. What is it, Acts 7? It's where Luke comes in, too. That's right. But Paul comes on with the murder of Stephen, right? Yeah. In Acts chapter 7. But at that time, he's well-established, right? Hebrew of Hebrews. Oh, he's as a Jew, as a rabbi. He's like a top. Gamaliel. Exactly. So where was Paul during the crucifixion? Was he there? Was he in Turkey? Like, why is he not on the okay, scene? Okay, during until? the crucifixion, was Paul in the Sanhedrin then? Yeah, because he would have been participant in that. Was he thirty? I think he was too young then. I mean, this is not very much earlier. No, he might have missed it. Okay, he might have not been thirty, and of course, he might have just been a junior participant in there. And you know, they broke the rules. You he surely would have been in Jerusalem for the Passover. You know, the Sanhedrin broke their own rules when they crucified the Lord. How, uh, how so? They had a unanimous decision to, to, to crucify him. Mm. Under Jewish law, if the jury, which the Sanhedrin was, judge and jury, right? Right, yeah. If they decided, decided 100% against a person, that person got off because something was going on. 
because one of those people on the Sanhedrin was the advocate for the defendant. Right. They didn't bring lawyers. You'd come accused of a crime, and the Sanhedrin would take up accusation and defense. They absolutely made sure somebody was assigned to the defense. So, so anytime there's a 100% vote, you're basically the fix is in. The fix is in on 100% vote, which explains why Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea voted to crucify him. Mm. Had they not voted, had they not voted to crucify him, this count would have been say twenty-eight to two, and down he goes. I but see. they vote to crucify him, and it's thirty to nothing, or however many they were. He he walks because there's they, something going on. But they broke their own rule to do it anyways. They broke their own rule, did it anyway. Huh? That's interesting. There's a book out there. I forget what the name of it is. It's a tough read. It's not well written. Factually, it's great, but just the prose is not fun. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's about all the legal errors that went on in the trial of Jesus. I think it might be called the trial of Jesus. I should be, when I give out a reference like that, I should have it ready and let you know the title and what, what it's ranked on Amazon. But, <laughs> but you don't. But my book's going to be worth reading. Are you getting ready to read that? Well, are you getting ready to write it? I am writing. Oh, yeah. I am writing my book. I'm busy with it, yes. Oh, you are? Yes, I am. Well, I, get st- I got stuck, but I'm plowing through. I'll make you a deal. You write it, I'll read it. That's not very much of a deal. <laughs> That's the best I can do. I think you should. I think I write it, you, you pay for my new deck. <laughs> no deal. <laughs>